my name is Gary. I'm your host at Mindset Growth Podcast. I'm excited for our next guest. Uh, this is somebody who really serves other people. And I, I am excited to learn what has developed that. Uh, I'm sure it came out of some of her own grief and things that she went through. Um, Heather, what are some of the things you're looking forward to learning about this person? <laughs> well, just visiting with her ahead of time. Right. You can tell she's very um, upbeat and and what she deals with is not very upbeat. So right. just the contrast there is going to be interesting. Dealing with people when they're in their darkest days and experiencing uh, maybe suffering and pain and loss and that in their life. Um, mm -hmm. It's something that intrigues me a lot because... I had lost my father when I was 15 years old, and I know you've recently, you know, lost a grandparent. And uh, it's just something I think when people go through those things of losing people close to them, it really affects often the changes the course of their life. And then it also affects can, yeah. their day to day. And positivity is a big deal on that. So with that, we want to introduce you to Kelsey Jagger. Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time to be on Mindset Growth Podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to be here this morning. Thanks for having me. Of course. Tell, Kelsey, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you grew up? Sure. Um, so I grew up in uh, Southern California, and um, I met my husband when I was at school in um, San Diego. I went to San Diego State University and um, I met him at a church function and I saw him from across the room and I was like, who is that? And he was wearing a red shirt and I didn't know who he was. And at the time I, I lived in a house with um, five other girls. And so we were all like, who is that? None of us knew who he was. So we called him red shirt. Um, didn't meet him that night, but I met him the following weekend at um, another like young adult church function. And he asked me out and then we were pretty much inseparable from there. Um, we got married young, started a family. We have a four beautiful sons, ages um, 19, 17, 14, and 11. And um, we moved from Southern California to Northeast Florida in December of 2019. So right before the COVID shutdown. Oh. And then in August of 2020, so we had been in Florida for about um, just about nine months. Our two oldest sons were in a motor vehicle accident. And as a result of that accident, we discovered that our oldest son had a brain tumor. And um, so that was a very, very scary and stressful turn of events. Um my other son who was in the accident had uh, severe injuries. He had to have three surgeries and he had road rash up and down his body. Oh, wow. um, so I've got two kids being rushed off to surgery. Um, 
And I was just kind of like, what happened? Uh Um, We got through that. Thankfully, the brain tumor was benign and the neurosurgeon was able to remove it all. So um, our oldest son did not have to have chemo or radiation. But there was a lot of um, rehab and physical therapy for both the boys. And things kind of were starting to settle down the end of um, 2020. And I was so excited to ring in the new year and just kind of start fresh with 2021. And on January 2nd of 2021, my husband ended up in the emergency room. Um, and they uh, they admitted him. They didn't know what was wrong with him. They did multiple tests. After a week, they discovered that he had acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Mm which is a very um, aggressive form of leukemia that is mostly found in children. It's rare in adults, um, but it requires intense, intense treatment. So we are just barely getting over the accident and our son's brain tumor, and then this blow happened. And... um, My husband struggled for 18 months. He fought harder than I have ever seen anybody fight. He wanted to live. He wanted to stay here with um, me and our our sons. But unfortunately, in July of 2022, he passed away. So now I am a widow and solo mom. And um, I have turned my pain into purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started my company called Rise With Grief. And I now help others who are struggling and grieving the loss of a loved one to um, move forward and rise with their grief. Well, thanks for sharing. I feel like you've really been hit extremely hard with a lot of circumstances in life. And uh I, I think the thing that I'm sure you can, we want to unpack a little bit, it seems no matter what people are going through, often it's the greatest trauma they've ever experienced. So it's very real, even though it's sometimes different for somebody than somebody else. And often we wonder how can somebody endure that much? So I appreciate you uh, looking for the positive and how you can serve others in all of that. Uh, certainly, I wouldn't be doing what I am today if I hadn't lost my father at when I was 15 and had to go through the experiences I went through. And so uh, I just really, uh, when Heather was telling me about what you've went through, it was like, I feel this connection already just because of the grief side of losing somebody. And yet I've, you know, not lost a spouse, so I can't relate in that fashion, but uh, it certainly appreciates you being open with all of that. Let's move through a couple other things and we're going to get back to some of these things that you do. Um, Just here's a couple questions. We like to do what we call rapid fires. And then we have one question we ask everybody that comes on this show and is simply, do you have a morning routine? I do have a morning routine. Um, I wake up on my own. Most days I um, 
I'm an, I'm a morning person, so I don't typically set an alarm um, because I already wake up early. So I usually am awake by 6 a.m. and I um, start my day off with some meditation and just really grounding myself for the day. And then I get up and I do not drink coffee, but every morning I have um, honey, hot water with fresh lemon juice and raw honey. And that like just gets like, that's my version of coffee. It gets, wakes me up and gets me going. And I head to the gym and every morning I, um, for me, it's very important that I get my heart rate up. I move my body and, um, I just set the tone for the day in that way. Awesome. Uh, I, I, can understand the non-love for coffee. I used to be a hot tea and honey person. And just one day I started having the morning coffee and, and I've stuck with that. But I like the lemon and honey idea. That sounds like something I'm going to have to try. You know, I can't do caffeine. I already am kind of a high strong person. So caffeine and, and I do not mix. If yeah. I have caffeine, <laughs> I am like bouncing off the yeah. walls. Yep. Understood. Okay. We're going to get into some rapid fire questions here. Um, I see that you're a dog person. So if your dogs could talk, what would they say about you? Um, I love my mommy. I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I am for sure their favorite person. <laughs> it usually works that way. All right, here's another one for you. What childhood activity do you still enjoy? Um, going to the beach. The beach is my happy place. I grew up about a mile from the beach in Southern California. And actually, the farthest I've ever lived from the beach is where I live now in Florida, which is about uh, four miles from the beach. Um <laughs> But that was strategic because we're just out of the flood zone and just out of the hurricane right. evacuation zone. So we're as close as we can be to the beach without being in the flood zone and hurricane evacuation zone. So, but yeah, for sure, the the ocean being salty and sandy and sunny is my favorite place to be. Awesome. That sounds like a really good childhood too. Oh, yeah. I had an amazing childhood. <laughs> Next one's mine, isn't it? This one here is, uh, I'm going to be curious what you're going to say to this one, just growing up in Southern California. If you could kill one, tra uh, one fashion trend, what would it be? Mm. Huh. That's a hard one. I don't, I, you know what? You just embrace all. I don't even know, to be honest <laughs> yeah. with you. I, I, I don't really pay attention to stuff like that. Okay. I'm just like, I like my, what I like. And I'm just kind of like, everybody else can just do what they like too. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I, Sounds good. No. Nope. Maybe if I, okay. I just, I just thought of one. I just okay. thought of one. Flesh colored leggings. <laughs> Oh, I can agree with you there. Flesh colored <laughs> leggings. Yes. You see someone and yes. you're like, dude, are they wearing pants or 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> like I, it looked like they weren't wearing pants. So that's what I would, that's what I would. Yes. That, that's there what you I would go. Do. Those pictures tend to <laughs> pop up on, on socials often and it's just yes. not a good look. Yes. <laughs> right. Oh, oh goodness. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, so Kelsey, you've spoken with us, you know, you kind of told your, your story of, of your husband and your loss, but can you talk to us about what made you want to bridge that gap between what you were feeling, the emotions that you were feeling and turn it into positivity to help others? Um, you know, this work found me. I definitely didn't go seeking it out. I definitely didn't um, wake up one day and be like, hmm, I want to talk to people every day about grief and about them grieving the loss of their loved ones and death. Like, um, definitely did not. But I really, really struggled to find the help that I personally needed, both when my husband was sick and after he died. Um, and so... I just like dove headfirst into all things grief, consuming books, taking courses, just so many things. And then after he died, um, what happens when someone dies, everyone says, oh, well, you need to go to therapy. So I did. I um, found a grief therapist and um, she helped me, but she had never experienced a loss of this magnitude. And so she really couldn't relate um, so I got to a point with her that I felt like she just wasn't able to help me anymore. And so I continued searching and I signed up for a life coaching, um, school. And I told them when I enrolled, like, I'm not planning on being a life coach. I'm not planning on turning this into something. I just need to help myself. Like, I am not happy. I felt like I was going through the motions and I was better, but I had, I was not happy. And I was like, I can't live like this for the next 50, 60 years. And so when I got into um, the life coaching school and I started learning the tools there and I combined it with all the knowledge that I had obtained about grief and I combined the two, it was like, this secret sauce that I was like, oh my gosh, like this light bulb went on. And I just knew that I couldn't keep it to myself. I knew that I had to share it with others because I knew there were so many like me that were suffering in silence and just were just kind of um, like, this is their new normal when it doesn't have to be that way. You know, uh, going through that, you kind of maybe answered this next question a little bit, but I feel like there's probably a little bit more to unpack with that. What was the biggest hurdle that you had to overcome before you could really devote yourself to helping others? So helping others has always come very naturally to me. That was the easy part. Um, from a young age, I've been drawn to supporting and caring for others around me. I mentioned that I had a really great childhood. My parents are amazing and they are the king and queen of serving people around them. So I just kind of 
that was my example. My husband, Colin, also was a huge example of that. He just he's the kind of guy that would give his shirt off his back to a stranger in need. And so that was the easy part for me was to share it and help others. Um, So it was never a question of if I should or shouldn't do this. But I will tell you the hardest part about what I do is the criticism and hate that I get thrown my way from the internet trolls. Um, I'm very open and vulnerable and I share the rawest parts of my heart publicly. And um, that was what probably surprised me the most is having mostly strangers. It's mostly strangers say really hurtful things to me and about me and attack my intentions and attack my character. It was really, really hard at first. Um, Thankfully, I've learned to kind of let it roll off my back now. So it doesn't really bother me anymore. It's more of a them problem and not a me problem. Um, But that was, that's the hardest part Mm -hmm. for sure. They clearly have no comprehension of what it's like to experience what you've experienced. So become such an interesting right. phenomenon right. in general just right. they have no experience with what you've gone through and it's so easy for them to judge and it's yeah you see it all the time and it's a it's a really dark yes. part of our society right now um so yes yeah. yes everyone seems to have a opinion about especially widows. Widows have a big target on their back. And I I work with a lot of widows. I'm acquainted with a lot of widows. I've become friends with a lot of widows. And it's interesting, this dynamic that I never expected is there's so much judgment on what they should or shouldn't be doing. If they find new love, then they've moved on too fast. If they don't find new love, then they're stuck in their grief. It's like you can't win for losing. Um, and everybody's got an opinion and you're just like, I'm just going to stay in my lane and live yeah. my life. Right. That would make it very easy to withdraw. I feel like anyway. Like, yes. So. Yes. And I know that that is one thing that you've spoken about, too, is to make sure that those you keep those um, contacts, keep in contact with with your friends, with your inner circle to not just move inward and and let those relationships go. Um, Yes, for sure. It's connection and grief is so important. Yeah. So grief isn't really something that. Um, many people like to discuss. It's something that they can really lose themselves in. So can you talk to us a bit about the stages of grief? Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought this up because the concept of stages of grief originated back in 1969 um, with psychiatrist Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and she published a book called On Death and Dying. And in that book, she proposed five stages of grief, um, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. But the stages were initially formulated based on her observations of terminally terminally ill patients Mm -hmm. rather than those who were 
bereaved or grieving a loss. And so over time, her theory became popular, very popular and it became accepted as the framework for understanding the grieving process. And she actually came out later and said she wished she didn't stage it that way because Mm -hmm. she never meant it to be that way. Because with more research and clinical experience, we now understand that there are actually no stages in grief. Mm -hmm. And I, this is something that was new to me. I too thought there were stages. And after my husband died, I'd kind of be like, okay, well, I guess I'm in this stage now. And, um, their grief, the reality is, is that grief is complex and it's a very individual process and it doesn't progress in a linear fashion through set stages. It ebbs and flows and one minute you may be fine and then the next minute all of a sudden something can trigger you that isn't even related to your grief at all, but it triggers something in your grief and all of a sudden you're a puddle of tears and a complete Mm -hmm. mess. And that doesn't mean that you're going backwards. There's no going backwards in grief. Um, But a lot of times we feel that we are because we've been programmed that there's these stages. Mm -hmm. Um, But grief is really unique to each individual person. And there's something that I tell my clients and I make sure that they know is that there's no right or wrong way to grieve. Like you can't do it wrong. And there's... it's not something that can be rushed and it's not something that you get over. Mm -hmm. So grief doesn't have an end point. The day my husband died was the day grief became my companion for the rest of my life because I will never stop loving him. So, and I will never stop missing him and grief is love. So when you look at it that way, grief is actually part of the healing process. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So one, I could relate to what you said about widows because I've seen my mother experience those things. And another thing that, um, and this was in the mid 80s when I lost my father. So clearly we have a lot more uh, advancement in just therapy and different things, uh, how we deal with things. For sure. But people would tell me as a 15 year old when I'm angry, and I of course grew up in a very unique culture that I, I, it wasn't, um, I didn't have any support really around me when I lost my father and which at that time was my best friend, uh, was really close with him. And people would tell me, well, time heals. It'll be okay. Give it a year. You're going to be all right. And I have come to realize, Mm -hmm. and I say this, and maybe this is uh, an incorrect statement, but I feel like it falls in line with yours, uh, with what your comments are that you were making. And I just always said, you never never get over the loss. You learn to live with it. And I don't know, maybe I'm even being very brash with that statement, but that's the only way I could find peace was knowing I had to learn how to live with it because I would never be okay and yes. let it, it would never heal. And so I, if you just touch on that a little bit. Yes. Please. Gary, you hit the nail on the head. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves in grief is when people say, um, time will heal all wounds. Like just give it time. It will get better. And it's like, um, 
your loved one is not a cold or a flu. Like you're not just going to get over it. Time does not heal grief. Grief heals when you put forth the effort to process your emotions, to integrate the grief into your life. Just like you said, you learn to become resilient. You learn to um, how to grow around the grief. You carry you carry it with you. I I like to say, um, like I pull. You got to pull grief a chair up next to you and and have grief sit next to you. Like you have to become intimately acquainted with grief because if you run from it, it will just chase you and eventually it will come to the surface one way or another. And usually it will come in the form of disorder, depression, anxiety, if you don't deal with it. Separately, I'm Gage. And I'm Bontrager. Together, we We are are Gage Bontrager Consulting. We work on changing your mindset, developing leaders, building systems and processes, helping you grow personally and professionally to achieve the success that you want personally and professionally. However you choose to define success for you. Reach out to us and follow us on social media or look us up on the website and that will put you on a path to achieve what is missing in your life. Thanks for watching this episode of Mindset Growth Podcast. So another question, and I'm going to, and we're talking about uh, uh, grieving from the loss of a person. And I don't know if that's primarily where you stay within that realm, but there's also grief we experience a lot of times from other things that happen to us in life. And it may be from, let's say, a divorce. It may be from a business that, you know, failed or some public, you know, humiliation. There's different things that happen in people's lives. Do you get involved in that? Is there, I mean, because it's a different circumstance possibly, but it still can create a lot of suffering and grief. 100%. Grief, I, in in my context of work, I deal with the bereaved. I deal with people who are grieving the loss of a loved one, but you are absolutely correct. Grief comes from any sort of loss. So grief is a natural response to loss. It's a natural response to difficult life events, disappointment, rejection, any of those things bring feelings of grief. Yes. I'm going to let you take the next one, Heather. (laughs) Uh, You speak about clean pain versus dirty pain. Can you explain the difference in those? Yes. Um, I love that you asked this question because this is another thing that I really, really um, make sure my clients understand. Clean pain is an emotional response that you would expect. So from um, from loss, rejection, disappointment, it's the sadness, the grief or hurt that comes directly from the situation itself. Um, This kind of pain is healthy 
and normal. And it can help us grow and become stronger. For example, like, of course I'm sad that my husband died. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to change that. I don't want to not be sad that he died. That's clean pain. Um, Being disappointed by a breakup or having feelings hurt when a friend betrays you. That's clean pain. Of course, you're going to have those emotions. Um, It's a response that you would expect from a healthy human, Mm -hmm. right? Now, dirty pain is the extra suffering we create by how we react to the clean pain. It's like adding... Um, more layers of pain on top of what's already there. So this kind of pain comes from how we think, what we believe, how we act. It's um, characterized by things like constantly thinking about past hurts, blaming ourselves or others for circumstances or situations. Um, It's the should have, could have, would have's that play out endlessly on a loop in our mind. Um, You know, I should have done X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. When we, when we should on ourselves, we're shaming ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I always say, don't shit all over yourself (laughs) because should thoughts are, are shame thoughts. And so dirty pain, it layers guilt and regret on top of the clean pain. Mm -hmm. And this makes grief harder it it keeps us stuck in our suffering instead of being able to move forward with healing yeah so it's really a secondary hurt that's almost self-inflicted yes it's it's in grief pain is inevitable Uh uh-huh like you can't avoid the pain people you know my clients will say to me i just don't want to hurt anymore and i'm like well you're human like hurting and being sad, like you're human. Like you don't want the, you don't want to be happy all the time without, without sadness, you don't know happiness. So you're going to hurt. It's going to be painful, but you don't have to suffer. Right. Suffering is that dirty pain that we add. Right. Cause I do a lot of life coaching and personal development and Heather uh, gets involved in some of this. And one of the things that we both talk about with clients often is just focus on what you can control. So many people live in the what ifs and the things they can't control. And the sad part is they've maybe not even experienced major trauma, but they created in their life. It's like a drug where they just, you know, what if I'd have done this? And they start living in all these scenarios to where they can't even see the future in a healthy way anymore. So I appreciate mm-hmm. you pointing that out. I think this happens. I, I see it, or we both see this happen in other aspects of life uh, as people just struggle to find maybe who they are, what they want to do in life and really find their potential in what they were created for. So I appreciate how you broke this down. Uh, That clean and dirty pain is a great way to explain all of that. Uh, I would like to ask you this and I'm going to preface it a little bit. So I have a uh, very close friend who owns a funeral home. And for over 12 years now, I will go in and help them. And I do it purely out of what her parents did for my family. Uh, 
And so Mm -hmm. it's a way for me to help others. And sometimes some of those relationships go back into our community, you know, just with being able to provide that service. What is the biggest piece of advice you can give someone who is suffering a loss? Um, There are actually five things that I wish someone would have told me when my husband died. And the first one is, it's okay to not be okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Feeling everything that you're feeling is okay. So many people told me, you have to be strong for your kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You cannot fall apart. And I already was thinking that. I didn't need outside people telling me that as well. Um, And it's okay to feel it all. You actually need to feel in order to heal. Right. And it's, and you have to acknowledge all the different feelings and emotions that arise. Um, so that's the first thing I wish someone would have told me. The second the second thing is, even when you're surrounded by others, like you could be in a room full of people and still feel completely alone. Absolutely, because grief is a lonely place to be. Mm-hmm. And when you've had a significant loss. Um, like death, they, there are so many people that rally around you and, and want to be there for you. Um, but unless they've experienced a loss of that magnitude, they just can't completely understand. So it's very important that you, um, that, that a griever reaches out via, friends that have experienced this, you know, a a loss of that magnitude or support groups, um, you know, local support groups or online support groups, reaching out through other grievers, through social media, hiring a grief coach, connecting with others who understand Mm -hmm. what you're going through becomes a lifeline. Yeah. And um, the third thing is, is that, which I kind of already touched on, is that healing isn't linear and it doesn't follow any stages. Like I didn't realize that in the beginning. And I was kind of like, oh, wait, like, okay. Thinking that grief had an end point. Like if I go through these stages that I'll eventually reach acceptance and then I'll be done. And that's just creates all kinds of of problems in group, the grief healing process when you think that. Um, the fourth thing is, is that grief evolves, but it doesn't end. Mm-hmm. There's no end point to grief. It's not a destination. It's a progression. It's a journey. Um, and like you, you said, Gary, grief, you integrate it into your life. And when you heal, it doesn't mean that you get over the loss. When you reach acceptance, it doesn't mean that you are okay with what happened. It just means that you accept what is, you accept your reality, and the grief no longer controls you. It's no longer in the driver's seat. And the last thing that I really wish someone would have told me right after my husband died is that you're stronger than you think. Not like, you're strong, you got this. But when you, I wish someone would have said, I know you don't think you can do this. And I know that you don't know how to do this. And that is okay. You don't need to know how. 
You just need to believe it's possible. And you just have to take the next step. Just Mm -hmm. sometimes it's day by day and sometimes it's minute by minute. So with that being said, I have back to your first statement uh, in in the first step that you just outlined there. You talked about being strong for your kids. Being a child, I think it would be healthy to see the true emotions. I mean, your kids, if you show them your true emotions, what it seems like is the kids are going through it as well. And if... You know, mm-hmm. my mother was strong and never showed any emotion. I'm thinking I'm strange in how I'm feeling about this loss, or I'm now bitter because I don't think she is grieving about this loss. And I'm sure you see all phases of that as you work with people. Do you have any comment to that? Um, you are 100% accurate and correct. The, you know, I work with a lot of grieving moms And of course they're concerned about their children. And they always ask me like, what, like, what's the best thing I can do for my kids? And I tell them the best thing you can do for your kids is to show them your true emotion, to be vulnerable. Now I'm not talking about like, you know, wailing and completely like being Mm -hmm. out of control that you're scaring the children, but letting them see you break down, letting them see you cry, letting them see you have all the emotions, and then letting them see you pick yourself up and keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Because 100%, your kids are having those same emotions. And if they don't see you break down, then just like you said, Gary, they're going to think, oh no, something's wrong with me. Like, or I'm not allowed to show my emotions. I'm not allowed to have these feelings. And so yes, the 100% be open, be vulnerable with your children. And also the best thing you can do to help your kids is to put your grief healing first. You're going to lead by example. They're going to follow your lead. That's a life lesson. I don't know who all will listen to this, whether you're in loss or whatever you're doing as a leader of a business, a family unit, church, wherever you're involved, you've got to put yourself in a position to be healthy and to function at the best level you can. Uh, That is great advice, Kelsey. And in really every aspect of life, I think so often, uh, and I would even say mothers do this a lot. They want to give and give and give and try to give their kids the best life they can. And then once the kids are gone, it's like they're depleted and broken. And we see that happen sometimes Mm -hmm. as well. And it's just that poor cycle of not taking care of ourselves, but we cannot pour from an empty cup. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, There's so many life lessons in that, what you just uh, laid out. When did you decide to start blogging and uh, emotionally, you know, what do you get out of that? I mean, there's two things there, questions really, but can you, can you lay that out for us? So I started um, when my husband was first diagnosed, you know, like I mentioned, we lived in Florida and it was in the middle of COVID. Mm -hmm. We had just recently moved. We'd only been there for a year. And so all our family and friends were still on the West Coast. 
And so just as an easy way to update everybody, I started just giving updates and kind of journaling um, on social media that way. And then I just kind of organically started getting a following from other people, like from the public that I that I didn't know. And I was getting so many messages from other grievers um, or other people struggling. And especially, like I said, it was during COVID. So there were so many people hurting during that time. And a lot of people, because I was so vulnerable and raw emotionally, um, a lot of people resonated with that. And so it just kind of grew from there. Um, and then it was therapeutic for me to, in, in sharing, I was connecting with other people that were also going through the same thing. And so I didn't feel so alone. Like I mentioned back, connection is so important in grief and to find other people that can understand what you're going through really becomes a lifeline. So for me, it it started as a easy way to update friends and family on Colin's condition. And then it kind of went to being a therapeutic thing for me. Um, And it just kind of evolved from there. I, I know for myself, a lot of times if I can sit down and just journal and write some, even if it's just, my, you know, I'm the only person that sees it, it a lot of times helps us slow our mind and just organize our thoughts and emotions of what we feel. Mm-hmm. And I often encourage people to do that if they struggle with that, just in their morning routine to add that in. So uh, there's a lot of uh, very healthy things that come out of journaling or blogging like that. Um and I and I want to commend you for doing it the way you did so that other people could read those and find some solace and strength, even, you know, as you went through your journey. So um, I think that's the piece that that I would hope people look at when they rather than being a hater about you sharing, because I don't from what I can tell, you've never shared any of this for sympathy. It was more uh, just a way to maybe release some energy and and to stay focused and to just inform people in general. So, um, well, and on top of mm-hmm. that, you know, not everybody is ready to reach out to a coach. Um, but from a few of the blogs that I read that you had posted on your site, I feel like people that are grieving can really connect and, and have that. Oh, okay. I'm not weird. This is normal. These are normal feelings. And, yes. And and I think that's just a yes something that people need as well. What so, is a statement or something sure, you'd like 100%. to percent? What is a statement or something you'd like to leave with the audience? Uh, just maybe a question we haven't asked, topic we haven't necessarily covered. Is there something you'd like to share? Just that when you are struggling, sometimes it's okay to crawl until you can walk and then walk until you can run and run until you can fly. And it's all right to take your time and to um, not rush the process. 
but all you have to do is have a belief. You don't have to know how to get there. You just have to believe that it's possible, a belief that you can get there and you will. Well, thank you very much for sharing that with us. Uh, I really appreciate your time and your vulnerability with you know the entire world and whoever is listening to this uh, the work you do is very it's it's wonderful work i mean people need this um i i wish you know i would have had some of these resources years ago uh i appreciate how you serve others it's uh really what makes this world a better place is those that you know, go out and lift others up and help them on this journey in life. I really appreciate that, that you're, you know, giving back. Um, for myself, I know I found a tremendous amount of healing when I serve others. And I can only imagine that that probably is the case for you as well. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Right. And uh, Heather, do you have any final thoughts? Kelsey, where can, where can our aud audience find you? Um, so I have a website, risewithgrief.com. Um, on there, you can access my blog. You can um, sign up for my weekly newsletter. You can get my free grief guide. Um, on there, you can also get the details on my different coaching programs. I offer both one-on-one -on -one grief coaching and group coaching. Um, on social media, I can be found um, on Instagram, Kelsey.Jager, or on Facebook, Kelsey Jager. Uh, I really appreciate it. This is close to my heart. Uh, so I really thank you for taking the time. And with that, we want to thank everybody for joining us on this episode of Mindset Growth Podcast. 